0: Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Future Classics. Hello everybody, my name is Brett Stewart. Joining me, as always, my two superb, wonderful co-hosts, Nicole Davis. How are you doing this fine evening?
1: Ooh, well, I'm not sure if I'm feeling 100% superb or wonderful, um, but I am looking forward to talking about this movie in particular and seeing what you think of it and defending it, because this was my choice, so we'll see how it all goes. I'm very curious.
0: <laughs> yeah, this was your choice for a future classic, but before we introduce that movie and talk about next week's movie, I also want to introduce David Luzader. How are you?
2: Uh, I've decided to completely play the Ryan Gosling role this evening, so I'll be keeping my dialogue to a minimum. I'm well. Perfect. Are you wearing gloves? Uh, I will be by the end of this podcast.
0: Good. Just slowly put them on and slowly take them off. I have
2: a a, a toothpick perched on my lips at all times. Exactly.
0: Want a toothpick, kid? (laughs) That's someone who does not interact with children. Um, And the movie is Drive. But before we get into it, I do want to announce next week's film as well. Uh, Next week is Around the World. And it's actually my opportunity to pick one. And I kind of take Around the World in a different direction because you guys are so versed in, like, Eastern Asian cinema and all, like, types of, like, kung fu movies and stuff. And I go in a really weird direction to take us to weird places. And... um, I'm going to take us to a British film, an independent British film, so English-speaking, no subtitles necessary this week and Around the World, but technically still international so I can get away with this. It is a film that Roger Ebert called, quote, one of the great life-affirming landmarks of the movies, rating it one of his top greatest movies of all time. It has a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes and is widely regarded as one of the most important films. Of the 20th century, what is? We it? are going to be watching 1964's "A Hard Day's Night." Oh. We are going to watch the independent film starring the Beatles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and All right, it's a fun one. I'm going to be interested to see what you guys think on that.
1: I've seen it actually.
0: I have not. Okay. So, well, well, yeah, I'm is, excited. It is, it is 80 minutes, so I'm sparing you guys. <laughs> it's quite short.
1: Oh yeah, it's it right of those along.
0: Yeah, they made a marketing campaign and they're like, wow, we should make a movie to sell these guys to Americans. And then the movie actually ended up being good. Um, so that's next week, A Hard Day's Night. Check it out, everybody. It was reissued last year, so you should be able to get an HD copy of the movie. Uh, but this week, more importantly, is Drive. It came out in 2011. An aloof man without a name spends his days as a mechanic and a part-time Hollywood stunt driver. And he spends his nights driving, at times as the best getaway driver in L.A. When he lets himself get emotionally attached to the pretty mother down the hall, however, and her young son, his carefully structured world begins to fall apart. This is starring Ryan Gosling. It is brooding. It is Interestingly shot, it has crazy music, and it is possibly a future classic, according to to Nicole. Nicole, why is is it a future classic? Kick us off.
1: Uh, Well, I would argue that the performances are very strong, uh, that it's shot extremely well. The story is very tight. Um, You could almost call it spare. It is... um, it sort of harkens back to previous films uh, in a classic mold. It's the story of a loner becoming the hero that he's had the potential to be, but getting his hands all the way dirty in all, in order to protect the innocent people um, who he cares about. So he's the classic loner with a code type hero like Yojimbo Ah, uh, Clint Eastwood's man with no name, Steve McQueen, and almost anything. Uh, he's very close to what would be referred to as the strong, silent type. Um, so he does not, in fact, have a name of his own in this movie. He's known in the script simply as Driver, uh, and even his the the closest person he has to a friend, uh, Shannon, refers to him as the kid. Which also sort of harkens back to the westerns. So,
0: you mentioned that he is uh, kind of the the shy man that reaches like the potential of being the hero of the story, kind of. And they have this song that keeps playing in the movie, and it's so like hit you over the head with obvious. Where they're like, the <laughs> lyrics are, "You can be a real hero. You can be what you prove to be." A real human being. A real hero. And it just keeps playing that over and over in the movie, including the final shot of the movie. Um, But yeah, I think you and the director are obviously on the same page of what he was trying to convey right there. Uh, So I saw this when it came out because it was one of those things that everyone was talking about, right? Like you have that all the time, right? Like you had Get Out last year, and this year it's... um, Movie with John Krasinski, um, a, quiet a quiet place, place. Yeah. Uh, and this was kind of that in 2011, wasn't it? It kind of was, yeah. Definitely, depending on your on your crowd of friends.
2: That I, I definitely remember. Um, the guy that I was living with at the time was super obsessed with this movie.
0: Yeah, it's a. Uh... It is an interesting film because it's almost like European art housey in a way, and the film yes. kind of pokes fun at it, and it knows that's what people might think it might be. There's uh, even a line in the
2: movie where- I don't know if where, it's poking fun at it.
0: Well, there's a line in the movie where one of the Jewish mob bosses, um, I believe it's, what is his name? Bernie. B? Bernie Rose. Yeah, Bernie. Bernie's like, yeah, I used to make these 1980s action flicks, and- uh, and they weren't very good and and like he he goes on and on and like referencing kind of what this entire movie is referential to and why like no one liked it and they just called them european and he thought they were just bad um because one thing i noticed in this movie is that it really strives for a dated aesthetic in in the sense of like it doesn't show you nice parts of la it shows you like old houses that are like beaten down and uh, old gas stations like brett, at that time you're seeing skyscrapers it's like in the distance brett have you been to la because <laughs> yeah, uh, yes i have i have uh, i know la is a shithole regardless LA, oh no uh, la places. la
2: hollywood itself is also like people have this uh romanticized version of hollywood guys
0: i've been to hollywood a lot i've been to la a lot it kind of sucks well this movie but it plays on that right like you don't see any new cars or anything like that like and, and I I was reading online that that was a stylistic choice of the film was to give it an aura of like the 80s or the early 90s and I found that very interesting
1: yeah I wouldn't say it's striving to appear dated I think it's pulling in some of the 80s aesthetic it's definitely pulling yeah. in uh, some of the more cl- classic cars Um the director has confessed to having a car fetish, even though he himself does not actually drive. Um, he's failed
2: his driving test eight times, according to <laughs> trivia.
1: So, yeah, so there's some classic cars in here, but there's some, there are some new models, you know, he jacks a beautiful black Mustang at one point in the movie. Um,
2: there's a 2001 Chevy Impala.
1: Oh yeah,
0: the Impala. But
1: <laughs> the, um, you know, he's, he's, pulling some from the 80s and especially like at night it's sort of this um, neon, you know, black and shiny neon and chrome and like lacquered looking almost um, look to the buildings that gives it an, a bit of an 80s vibe. Uh, but the movie overall with it being sort of a a tight little crime drama with these spikes of emotion. in it reminded me a lot of uh, to live and die in LA, which is um, another story of Los Angeles, but it's, it's funny. That's almost all of its aesthetic takes place in the daytime, but it's like dirty, gritty industrial park LA for the most part. So we should actually, we should talk about that one sometime. Well, when
0: watching this movie, it didn't at all surprise me to learn that this was made in a really batshit crazy way in the sense that like the director went and rented out this really posh, intense mansion in L.A., made everyone move in with him so they could shoot during the day and edit at night and drive around at night, and in order to get filming spots— he would just have Ryan Gosling drive him around at night, and he'd pick random ass places to film. Yeah, and he, all of he didn't this has nothing connection the least bit surprising to LA. When you see this movie, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's and it, it has that art house feel to it, right? But I think it like it reminds me of my least favorite movie ever, and that doesn't mean I don't like this movie. I actually do like this movie quite a bit. Neon Demon, Neon Demon, the same director.
1: Yeah. No. Yep. Yes. Oh
2: my god. Neon Demon is not very
0: good. I hate the even so. Much.
1: I have not seen it. So uh, I Neon I've Demon. heard it's kind of a love it or hate it proposition. I hate it.
0: I hate it, it so deeply <laughs> and Ugh. so viscerally. That that making that oh my that makes perfect sense. Well, in any case, it is a very tightly designed film that's like an hour and a half long. That is either entirely satisfying because the aesthetic of it is beautiful to you, or entirely infuriating because you feel like you got nothing out of it. I which mean, might also be your responses to this.
2: Look, okay, I'm sorry, Nicole. You haven't seen mm-hmm. Neon Demon, so I might want to plug your ears for for two seconds here. <laughs> But any movie that ends with cannibalism I've got to take issue with before we get too far into And I got to, you know, I got to kind of make my stance known on this film before we get too far. I don't like Drive. I don't think it's very good.
0: And we, Ooh, yeah, controversial opinion here. That, okay,
2: that can be fighting words, and I'm willing to stand by it. But when I saw this movie when it first came out, uh, my roommate was obsessed with it. I watched it, and I was like, "That's the thing you've been talking up to me for like six months." I don't know if it was just like our sound system was terrible. I couldn't understand half of the dialogue. This time was better. This time, like I guess maybe the sound mixing that I was playing with was better, but I couldn't hear half of what anybody said. I didn't care about what anybody said. This time around though, still I'm like, okay, like the, that that beginning sequence is amazing. The beginning sequence like yeah. really seduces you that that so- and like when it gets to the opening credits and the song that plays, I am in. From then on though, I'm like, why do I care? And I you know, that's just kind of where I fall. I'm not a big fan of this movie. I don't want to get us dragged down and just arguing about it, but I want to let <laughs> you know that's where I'm coming from as we go into this.
1: I don't
0: think drives very good.
1: All right. Well, I'm, you know I'm really trying appreciate to
0: appreciate that opinion.
1: I'm trying to grow as a person. And part of <laughs> that is accepting <laughs> that sometimes people are not going to like the movies I like and that that's okay for them to have their opinions. And <laughs> I've got my opinions about it and that's fine, but I will not objective let you call this an objectively bad movie. I didn't if you don't say, like it. That's fine. You don't like it.
2: I didn't but say I objectively would, bad. I, just I okay here's and we'll get into more of this as we're as we're going on I think this movie looks amazing I think the yeah. visually this movie is amazing I think that um, some of the acting some of the acting is very good uh mm. but I think that there is very little substance to it and, you know, we, we we can dig more into that as we kind of get into our discussions of the film. But when you kind of, stri- it's kind of my feelings on Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, uh, visually fun movie. There's some fun jokes. But when I really start thinking about it, I'm like, what was there? What was there really there for me to, like, dig into? And And I walk away just not really feeling a lot about the core. But... But I will say there are good aspects of it. I don't want to, I don't want you to think that I'm sitting here saying like this is a bad movie it's terrible. I'm just saying I don't like it <laughs> and that's where okay. I'm falling.
1: See right, I I'm just not, not going to try to argue car. about what you like and don't like, you know. Yeah. It's not really a doable thing.
0: <laughs> so David recently said on a podcast that uh sometimes you just want to see Matt Damon punch somebody with a book and I believe that's going to be on our first shirt and we are going to do shirts quite soon. Uh, but I think the second shirt really does have to be Drive Reminds Me of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because that's definitely a first.
1: Uh, <laughs> if, if we a were a video
0: podcast, <laughs> yeah. people could see Nicole's face of confusion right now. But I, I think I land personally somewhere in the middle right here. I when, I when I saw this movie in 2011, I promptly forgot almost everything about it. And I kind of get why this time around, because I feel like it was gorgeous and I feel like I was enthralled with the way it was shot and the way it was written, because I know one of the key things with between Gosling and the director of this was how much can we cut down an 80 page script? Can we like get this like down paragraph by paragraph by line by line? It was an art form in brevity. And I think that that's really powerful as an artist because it's so hard to do. It's so hard to cut your own art. It's so hard to embrace that. And I think this film does a masterclass job at that. My problem with it at times is to lend credence to what I think David is saying is I leave it and I'm like, okay, it was a guy. He fell for a girl. He tried to do the right thing. So it was a heist that went wrong. And there's the tropes in the story along the way that struggle um, that that make that caused me to struggle for it to be memorable, uh, despite thinking it's gorgeous. And I do think this film's shot beautifully. I mean, the colors of the film, gorgeous, better than Neon Demon. <laughs> also, that opening scene David was referring to, where the director just sat in the car the entire time with the camera. Like, I love it when a director's like, no, give me that camera, and just does it himself and does it in a really cool way. This guy totally did that. And it shows. This is a gorgeous movie. And there's some weird tonal shifts in this movie in terms of plot that I don't know if they work for me personally.
2: Yeah, when I when I started watching this movie again for this and that opening sequence happened and then, like, Night Call came on, I was like, mm. ah, do I, like, actually... Was I wrong about this movie? I mean, personal opinion, I don't think that I was. But there is, like, there is so much, and I kind of read some articles from some reviewers who kind of went back to the film and weren't as positive... Years later, upon it, but they do talk about how there is like a seduction quality to the visuals and to the music, and there really is like there are times where just looking at this movie and listening to it, I'm like, you know, like there, like it feels like there's something here. It it, there's a lot of feeling kind of going on.
1: Well, this is the sort of movie that I I get the feeling that some people could watch like. Once a week, or break it out you know once a month or three times a year or something, because it's just something to have on and look at and kind of let yourself get hypnotized by for a while and then you know tune it back out again if you wanted to. I did not want to I really like this movie. I think that Brett's right that it is pretty close to being a master class in brevity. Apparently, there used to be a lot more dialogue between Driver and Irene, uh, played by Carrie Mulligan, who Mm -hmm. plays the young mother down the hall. Uh, There used to be more dialogue, and they found themselves pairing it out more and more. And so there are these long looks that they exchange. And some people would say, oh, yeah, they're just staring at each other. Nothing's happening. I think a lot is getting communicated. It's subtle, but it's. I think it's there to be seen if you're if you're willing to to pay attention to it and if you're willing to um get swept up in the film and believe that these are real characters. You know, he's driver definitely has he's he's emotionally t- stunted. Um is he and he holds people at arm's length. Does and he? It's <laughs> rare for him to let somebody in. And I think he's sort of letting, as he lets himself warm up to his neighbor, things start to go wrong for him. Uh, but you know, of course, it's mostly when her things are going okay until her husband comes back from prison. Um, yeah,
2: damn you! Oscar but I mean, Isaac. I really the wonderful I Oscar. There's Isaac.
1: some beautiful acting going on here between Ryan Gosling and Carey Mulligan, and everybody else gets talky acting, and I think they're great. I think Albert Brooks is fantastic as like one of the big villains of this movie. Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's, Ron Perlman's it's, in it. He's giving a good performance. Brian they, they don't. They don't. They don't
2: show good Ron Perlman's face for most of this um, movie. <laughs> I did not realize that was Ron Perlman for a long time.
1: uh, Middleman who doesn't know when to shut up. Um, You know, there's there's not a lot of people in this movie, but I think they're played really well. And Oscar Isaac does a pretty good job with what's normally a very thankless role.
2: I kind of, I do kind of got to take issue though with like, uh, okay, some, all right, so the acting is generally fine. But you're like, you're inferring all this stuff about Ryan Gosling's character that for me is not there. There is like there. And I I put this question in our show doc. Why does Ryan Gosling do what he does? Who is his character? He doesn't have a name. He doesn't have a history. What do we know about him? He kind of likes the blonde lady at the end of the hall and is willing to risk his entire life for her. But like what we don't. How does he feel about driving? I don't know that he's driver. I don't know by the end of this movie, how he feels about, he's good at it. I know that. I don't know how he feels about, I don't know how he feels about anybody except for Carrie Mulligan. Like his character, it is just, it is his character is too vague for me to then care about. His motivation is I don't want a woman and her son getting killed, which is like every action hero ever. Sure. I can get behind that. But if I had to name the three characteristics of his character, he doesn't talk a lot. He's quiet. He doesn't say very many things. <laughs> like I don't. I don't have any sense of his character by the end of this movie.
1: You don't get any sense that that driving is like a a meditative act.
2: No, him. I don't. I don't because he because yeah. it it that is not really shown. to I think to it me. is.
1: You know, there are scenes of him out driving at night when he doesn't have to be, where he's he's not going anywhere. He's just sort of driving aimlessly. And And I get this feeling that this is, this is, this is what makes sense to him. uh, So, yeah,
2: but I, and I, I don't know. I, I just do not get that sense and I, I was thinking about uh, uh, another movie that's kind of similar to this, Baby Driver. So uh, very
0: similar mm, title, which is a big Nicole favorite. <laughs> uh,
2: where, but but I feel like that <laughs> yeah. movie, the character of Baby, I know so much about him through his interactions with other people and like his, his talking and stuff like. It, the most he says about driving, she's like, "Oh, that sounds dangerous," and his response is, "It's part time." I don't know how he feels
1: about it that way. But I don't the look on his face is just it's to me. It's just screaming like, you know, she says it's, that sounds dangerous. And this he's like smiling with his eyes and the rest of his face. And to me, that says not for me. But he doesn't say that out loud.
2: How did he how did he get involved in crime? Why is he involved in crime? Why is that something that he's OK Shannon. with?
0: Right, but well, why did he come to Shannon? Why did I, he understand, come?
2: Like, I understand where you're both because coming from Because he was here.
1: stunt driving for Shannon. That's where he started no, out. He no, started no, no,
2: no. He walked yeah. into Shannon's shop one day and said, I want a job.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then, so he and started then working that, on cars, and then he started stunt driving for him right. because Shannon's so, like at least a part-time stunt coordinator.
2: Why is he okay? And I, I get what you're saying. You're saying like the subtle acting of like he likes driving because that's what makes sense to him. Yeah. For me, though, th- there's a problem in that being subtle in that it's not clear. It's you know, it mm-hmm. could be for someone like you where it's like, yeah, I'm watching it and I get this feeling. I'm watching it and I'm like, why does he care about anything? I don't get the sense that he cares about anything.
1: Okay, that's I get. I get that. That's that's legit. And there are criticism. relationships.
0: Well, oh, sorry, go ahead, Nicole?
1: No, I'm just saying that I I think that's legit. That you know, if you're not reading it, then it's it's not being clear to everyone what's going on. And while I don't think a movie has to beat you over the head in order for things no, to I'm be No, I'm not I'm saying I, I
2: wanted it to, but.
1: Yeah, but I'm, not. but I believe it, you know, Dave, when we watch movies for podcasts, we try to be attentive viewers. And mm. if you're being attentive and you're not getting it, then it's not being it's, communicated yeah, effectively. You know,
2: yeah. And yeah, I, I don't want, I don't want them to sit down and be like him just saying like driving is the only thing that makes sense, but you know, there there was plenty of opportunity for someone to like just kind of ask him like hey man why do you do this criminal thing and if (laughs) he's just like because driving makes sense i would be like okay cool i get that right but
1: because one too many lines got cut out of the script
2: (laughs) right right yeah yeah they they could they could have kept they could have kept at least two more in there and i would have had different feelings (laughs)
0: And uh, for me, there are certain relationships that I wish were a little further fleshed out in the movie. I would love to know more about his relationship with Shannon. It seems to have a lot of intricacy to it because, like, Shannon wants to take advantage of him, but also is kind of his, like... His only friend. He, yeah, like, I, I, I like the character
2: of Shannon. Their kind of their interplay. I read that Brian Cranston wanted him to be a motormouth, um, in contrast to Gosling's very silent
0: driver. And you, 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 yeah, you do get that sense that like he cares for him. Yeah, in fact, I. W- there are some disturbing deaths in this movie, and that is a weird. Oh sure. Shift in tone <laughs> because you know for those who haven't seen the film. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why you would listen to this this long if you haven't, but <laughs> uh, if you haven't, it kind of goes from being a ah oh, he's an edgy guy that lives in a crappy apartment in in the desert that's kind of a and nice I, apartment and what? and what that's a nice apartment for l a yeah it's small, in, but lives it's in nice. A nice. Apartment yeah. in L.A. and now he's beating people's, you know, faces in with his foot in an elevator. And um, well, that's actually not the first gory, gory kill. No, um, the first gory kill on screen is when someone's face literally gets ripped off by a shotgun blast to the, you know, point blank range. But the most devastating death on screen that really makes me uncomfortable is. Shannon's because there's something about like sure someone getting shot by a shotgun or someone getting kicked and those are things I've seen in action movies and I'm to be honest I'm just desensitized to and then there's like Shannon going in the shake um, Bernie's hand and I'm like he's totally gonna kill him he's totally gonna kill him and he just takes a straight razor and he's just like quiet it's all over now and that's it and one of the worst so ways to kill someone terrifying because it's yeah. like, anyone could yeah. do that to you
1: just and that lays his so forearm open and lets him bleed to death deeply
0: that terrifying. would take
1: so long Ugh.
0: <laughs> well it was it was deeply terrifying to me like that is that is one of the most intense scenes of the movie to me
1: yeah and he's and so calm yeah. about it. Bernie yeah. is so calm about it. Yeah, Nemo's,
2: just... Nemo's dad is just like no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I want to remind everybody that is Nemo's dad.
1: Yes, <laughs> Nemo's dad murdering a man with a straight razor. <laughs> yep. Well,
0: you know... And he and and the, oh, and keep in mind. And then he goes and takes a straight razor and puts in his little killing collection. <laughs> yep, his little, and his and little other little various knife. knives and cutlery. Yep. By the way, he loves to kill people with cutlery. Uh, let's just throw that out there too. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a weird shift of tone in this movie. And one of the comments about this movie quite often, and David has put this in our docket as well, is does the violence serve a purpose? Is this hyper violent at parts for good reason? Or did it cause the film to suffer in the theaters? Um, a lot of critics oh. at the time argued that less people went and saw this because of those moments of violence, and uh, I I don't think they're necessary in my opinion, except maybe for um, the, mo- the like the mob killings, perhaps I guess. But when Gosling just starts like brutally killing people and there's no setup for me to allude to the fact that he might have like pent up rage and all of a sudden he's like like decapitating a guy with his foot i'm like how did we get here and that this is not my beautiful murder
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's i i believe Well, number one, I agree that I don't think it has to be quite as graphic as it is. I mean, I do not shy away from bloody graphic stuff. You know, we watched Midnight Meat Train and I was just like, oh, well, that's interesting. You know, but there is, you know, there's a, there's, yeah, there there are heads being seriously damaged very visibly and graphically and bloodily. And it's not pretty to look at, but I think in if you toned it down a couple of degrees, it could still be equally as brutal. With you know, and cut out like a couple seconds of looking at these heads that are coming apart. Um, but I think it does serve a purpose because the violence doesn't start until. Irene's husband gets back from prison violence follows standards return. And it's this somebody who is in deep with the, the really ugly side of crime in general, you know, driver has been a getaway driver before, but for him, he's at a remove from it. He he's, you know, tells people in his spiel that he doesn't carry a gun. He doesn't go in with you. He just drives and that's all he does. So he can kind of keep himself separated from it. But standard comes back from prison and like either the day he comes back or the day after he comes back, time is compressed in weird ways in this movie. Um, But like the, the day he comes back, he gets beat up by some of the guys who, Uh, helped protect him in prison. He had to pay them protection money and they want him to work for him. And he refuses and they beat the crap out of him and then threaten his family, you know, so there's his beating his, you know, spoilers shooting later on, he gets shot during the pawn shop robbery Uh, driver hits Blanche uh, played by Christina Hendricks Blanche is Blant gets shot in a very spectacular way. Uh, Driver has to stab one of the assailants with, I think it's a curtain rod or a a towel rack or or something. Um, He has to use that guy's shotgun to kill the other men. He uses a hammer to find out from Cook whose money they stole. And then, you know, Bernie slices Shannon's arm open and Driver kicks the assassin's face in and Driver gets stabbed by Bernie and stabs Bernie in return. And, you know, all this is the the whole genesis of it is standards return. So it's the entry of crime that happens on the, what's the right way to put it? Like the ground floor, you know, it's not the upper echelons. It's not the crime bosses. It's the, it's the guys on the ground doing the grunt work and he's, forced to you know drivers forced alone no longer be a middleman and so he's suddenly coated in all this brutality yeah. so i just that that's the, that's the I purpose i think sir. i think oh, that
2: i think there's ways to do brutality without being graphic though and oh sure and i think this <laughs> this, this movie kind of goes a little too far and it's graphic like when they do him uh beating in the guy's head in the elevator they don't show you i mean they show you that one shot of his foot kind of beating him into a pulp but apparently it was originally a lot like a lot worse and the ratings board was like uh bro you can't do that (laughs) uh but i thought like that was a lot more effective than like say the arm opening with the i don't know i i think i or like christina hendrix's head getting blown off in slow motion i think they could have i think the The brutality of the violence, I think, is okay. I think they could have backed off on the graphicness a bit on it and still been just as effective. It kind of is like, look at it, look at it, look at what's happening, look, neon demon. Because that's what Neon, Neon Demon, Demon. Keep
1: Neon Demon out of it.
2: You can, God, though. Neon I mean, and, and, and the movie. You
1: can. This was, was made, this was made years before Neon oh, well, Demon. Please well, leave I, it out of it. Plus, <laughs> I haven't seen it, so I can't compare.
2: Well, but I, but I have to say that, like, with, with the, 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 the director, though, I don't think it is a little bit, like, with Nicholas Refn or however you pronounce it. Yeah. I mean, what is it? Only God Forgives was this follow-up with Ryan Gosling in that movie.
1: Oh, I saw that. That's a pre- That's really pretentious. <laughs> I enjoyed it but it's re- it's super well, and, pretentious and, I hear,
2: and I've hear, i heard they leaned really heavily into the brutality again on that movie and
1: yeah although not as bad as, as oh, really? okay
2: okay so I, I haven't seen it so I couldn't speak to it so that's just one thing that I had read where people had talked about how they leaned more, they leaned the same on the, the brutality and that like Maybe it doesn't need to be as brutal, guys. You know, you know. But uh, so, just all what I'm saying is, like, I think that the brutality is okay. But I, I could have done without, uh, ugh, without watching his arm open up with the razor blade. <laughs> I just, oh god, that will haunt me for the rest of my days. I, know, I, I, I actually couldn't, I couldn't watch it this time. I couldn't watch it. I knew it was coming. I had seen the movie.
0: I looked away when it was happening because I didn't want to watch so, it. It's so like peaceful like question like not peaceful but like it's so like nonchalant right like it just happens yeah and he's he's like like,
2: it's over it's over it's
0: done yeah sleep now Now, sleep toward the light and brian cranston's is like falling over it's just it you know again i i just like with everything else in this movie i think i'm in the middle with you guys of the sense like i understand the graphic nature of the film and i understand why it, it aesthetically works and I think it's very interesting that Nicole brings up that he was so removed from this. He was the getaway driver. And I think he immediately becomes removed as a result of his feelings for Irene, because I think he kind of breaks his rules right off the bat with Oscar Isaac's character standard. Oh, yes. Yeah. I would imagine that if anybody else had just gotten shot outside of his car, he would not get out of the car. No. He would absolutely, that is like the character break for him where I'm like, oh, this is going to be Brad. He's getting <laughs> out of the car. And yeah. like, I remember when I first saw this movie, I was like, he's just going to leave him there. That's what I really thought <sighs> was going to happen was he was going to drive away and leave him at this crime scene.
2: I mean, and look, there's a lot of rules I would break for Oscar Isaac. All right.
0: <laughs> Let's just play that but down. no, like, like Oscar Isaac's running out and he gets shot and like, like a, Like, an idiot. Like, he just gets out of the car. Like, what are you going to do? You don't carry a gun. Yeah. Uh, But he gets out of the car, and then more shots get off, and he, like, gets, like, visibly scared, probably, like, for the only time in the movie he looks scared, because that's not the world he's accustomed to. He is gone by the time gunshots are going off. It doesn't even look like he ever gets shot at, because he's so good at what he does, like, in that opening scene. So (laughs) I think maybe some of the brutality comes from... Him being, you know, brutally pushed into a world he is not prepared for. Because, you know, as Nicole said, you start with the grunt, right? You start with Standard, but by the end of the movie, he's dealing with, you know, Jewish mob bosses (sighs) um, who are fighting Italian mob bosses, which I I find very interesting in this movie. The whole, like, because for those unfamiliar, they're going to steal money because an Italian mobster is moving in on their territory. Is moving on their territory, and they're going to steal the money that he is keeping in like a Seven Eleven for some reason. It's a pawn shop. Have- pawn shop. A pawn shop. A which pawn is much shop, shadier. Which is where you keep a million dollars apparently. Yeah. And uh, and 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 so goes this whole you know like devolving of a crime where they even literally have the line in the movie where Gosling's like, and nothing went right. right. And <laughs> some of the some of the dialogue yeah. in this movie.
2: I don't want to shake your hands. My hands are dirty. Yeah, so are mine.
1: (laughs) What? (laughs) In more ways than one. Yeah, with get my drift. With
2: blood.
1: (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I don't know why. You just know never to rob a pawn shop. If you've seen like any movie ever, everyone knows that (laughs) every pawn shop owner has a shotgun strapped under the counter. that's oh, how it goes Oh, my
2: god yeah yeah <laughs> uh, I actually Oscar Isaac's death is one of the deaths in this movie that I was actually totally fine with and okay with because it is like it's horrifying what's happening to him but it is like visceral because it does kind of, I guess it does does kind of kick off this like total shift but he's just he's just walking out of there and suddenly gets shot in the neck and you're like
0: oh. Oh, Things I got the went- impression
1: it was a flying piece of glass from the window that gets him in the neck and it it's slows him down. It's a flying
0: piece of glass that gets him in the neck and then he's walking away toward the car. Oh, he's just kind of stumbling. He lays several shots into him. And it's yeah. oh. so abrupt, too. Like, there's four... The death that follows with Blanche that is, like, so stylized. Blanche. That and name, Blanche. I, I know. And keep in mind that this is a character he wanted to be played by a porn star but couldn't find a porn star that could act. <laughs> that was his problem. So he hired her. Um On his and, wife's recommendation. Right. Right. So uh, like the Oscar Isaac death feels like not at all stylized. It it just feels like it happens like, yeah. so abruptly, so aggressively. And then the next one's like, "We're in an art movie," and like her <laughs> scalp, her is head, yeah. off in slow motion. I'm I mean, like, oh, I was God. still,
2: I was still reeling from Oscar Isaac dying. I'm still like building a tiny memorial at my desk, being like, "Oscar right. Isaac, <laughs> may we oh, ever oh, remember man. you." This is before. This is this man. was before uh, Inside. Like this is like way before he was a a commodity.
0: Yeah, this is before yeah. Inside. Luan Davis before, before like Star that. Wars. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, and he and he and I actually do like his character quite a bit in it because you're built to dislike his character initially, right? Well, and I, I actually think this is very very excellent writing because you're you're primed to dislike him. Mm-hmm. because he's the, he's the guy that's in prison that left his wife and and son to fend well, for themselves. He's, he's
1: getting in the way of this relationship that's building between Driver and Irene. You know?
0: Right, right. And like he there's this scene where like he gets up in Driver's face. He's like and he's like, "Oh, you've been helping." And it's it- designed to make you feel like he's being aggressive. And he never gets aggressive. Yeah, well, He I- never actually does. He ends up walking away and be like, have a good evening. Yeah. And there's something really interesting about the way he's written because he does defy the stereotype of convict comes home, gets back into the racket. Instead, it's like, no, they're designing all these scenes to make you dislike him. But when you actually look at the what he's saying in the context of the scenes... He seems like he's kind of a good guy because, because Oscar, he seems like whatever he did, he probably helped fix or wanted to fix.
2: Right. Oscar Isaac uh, made it a point that he didn't want to uh, portray a stereotypical ex-convict kind of character. And I, and I, I really do like his character in this movie where he doesn't like he, you know, they're like, all right, we're celebrating, but we need to recognize that what I did, you know, wasn't good. Uh, And, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make things right. And then, you know, like, like you said, like there's, you know, he could have, he could have gone up to Ryan Gosling's character and been like, Hey man, I've heard you've been helping with the family, but they're my family now. And like back off. Uh, but instead he like, he kind of does open up his arm, like his, you know, his life to him a little bit and is like, Hey man, like you've been helping out my family. So like, I'm going to recognize that. Uh, I I like that they did they did go a route that was not like like you said like oh I'm out but like my buddy heard about a job and I'm gonna because like that you know I'm an ex con so I'm gonna do this job he was like no I'm getting job I'm getting wrapped up in this because you know some guys helped me out on the inside and now they say I owe them and they're gonna hurt my family if I don't it's like they they could have gone a route where it's like yeah he's a real asshole instead you're like no I get it man like that sucks you're doing what you're doing what you ha- like feel like you have to do
0: yeah absolutely and and again i the reason i love that especially is because they frame it like he's going to be the stereotype you mm-hmm. fu- like you fully expect him when he gets in his face to say something really aggressive and it even comes off a little aggressive but it's not a little
1: bit little bit yeah. not as aggressive as it could be if mm-hmm. some if another actor had delivered that
0: yeah absolutely so yeah. I, I love Oscar Isaac and I, <laughs> I really do appreciate his character. in this. I think it's one of the most well-written characters shortly of Dolby uh, uh, and that's kind of where I run the problem similar to David where after that, I feel like there are characters I want to get more out of and I'm not getting them. One of the weirdest jumps in the movie for me is when it just goes from like him meeting her in the hallway to like, she's at his shop to like they're on a driving date and like there's, you can, there's like, Is anything happening in between? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, yeah. Like I said, there's weird
1: intervals. There's weird time compression going on in this movie. It took me, you know, until this screening to be like, is all this happening in a week? But you know, it it feels
0: like on first glance. Uh, Yeah.
1: I, I do believe that the relationship is building over more time than that. And the only time where it's, it compresses down super fast is where she actually says, you know, my husband will be home in a week. Uh, and that's when you get some indicator of an actual time frame.
2: Now I do, I do have one question um, kind of for it. Nicole, I don't want to like put you on a spot, but I am curious just no. like your thoughts of, cause in the book, the character of Irene is a Latina character. Yes, and that was kind of a an issue some people had with the film. I don't. Yeah, I know that you pay attention much more to that kind of stuff than, say, I or my or Brett does typically. I don't know. Just what I are, do, what what, yeah. do you, what what are your thoughts kind of on that with with her character? You know, being a Latina character being played by a blonde white actress, <laughs> Carrie Mulligan.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's. I did not know about it until this viewing. Um, I sat in, I, I, I own the Blu-ray, so I sat in and I watched all the special features and I did some poking around on the internet. And the character in the book is Latina and apparently, you know, uh, Refn looked at a lot of Latina actresses and looked over the story and was having I think he wanted more of a especially the way he, he shoots everything later. It seems like he wants this dichotomy between uh, darkness and innocence. And he, you know, he really felt that with Carrie Mulligan, Carrie Mulligan, apparently like her, she had her agent like beg him to take a meeting with her. Hmm. Because um, she really wanted to work with him, but um, you know, with the actresses, Reffin said that he that would build a whole additional dynamic into the film that he wasn't sure he could handle as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on, as as he puts it, there's there's a lot of emphasis on family in latinx culture and um she's an older woman in the book she's like in her 30s and he wanted something where there's more of a uh, you know sort of a, a fresh-faced innocence to the character although he certainly could have cast a younger latina actress i don't know I'm not going to try to make you know excuses for him. This is just his reasoning behind it. Is okay. he really liked Carrie Mulligan, and
2: hmm.
1: when she talked to him, he, you know, he, something sparked in him, and he thought that she was the right person. Okay, yeah, I just know that's how he puts it. Okay. I would I would have liked to have seen, you know, like a, a young dewy Latina actress. I don't see why not.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's it, yeah. I didn't spend too much time going down that rabbit hole. I'm pretty sure people have written think pieces about it because that's yeah. you know that's the day and age that we live in. Um, but I, I was just kind of curious. I figured you might have maybe known a little bit more uh, following yeah, that, I that don't, rabbit hole. I don't
1: hate the movie as a result. Right. Um, right. It's not. It's, it took it's, place during the script adaptation phase. But right.
2: And it's it's he, not. And I haven't read the book, but there's nothing within the movie that makes it seem like any everybody's uh cultural heritage is really a sticking point for their character
1: yeah it's not really emphasized very much in the movie you know yeah. the the most it's emphasized is that when standards telling the story about how he and irene met he gives himself a thicker accent right
0: so, right right and also one uh, thing i want to throw out there too is that this movie was rewritten a ton mm-hmm. uh so oh, much yeah. to the fact that russell crowe was supposed to be the lead uh, hugh jackman and as well I'm sorry. That's what I mean. I meant yeah, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Okay. I was, I was like, guys. I did not hear the Russell was...
2: Crowe. That would be a very different movie.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Hugh Jackman was supposed to be the lead. And like, at that point he wasn't even like a stunt driver in the script. And like, it was totally different. So this went through a whole bunch of edits. Uh, but one thing I want to laser in on really quick, Nicole was talking about the, you know, the, the, the dichotomy of light and dark and innocence and, and what all that good stuff. Is the elevator scene to, I'm going to slam you over the head with that, in that regard, where it literally, like, the camera turns dark and, like, zooms in on them kissing in this alternate world for, like, 40 seconds before he beats a man's head in?
1: I love that scene, and I will truck no no dissing of this No, but, like, like
0: explain to me why. I'm curious. Okay. Because it's a cool I, scene. I don't dislike it.
1: Now, the, the the whole like pre-elevator into the elevator scene, they have this brief conversation before they get in the elevator near the end of the movie. And it's the emotional climax of the film. It's like this whole, everything, their relationship has been building up to here. He's, you know, he has to make a decision in this elevator. He's, um, I have this big, note about it you know <laughs> they're they're both crying when they get into the elevator because they've had this conversation where he tells her you know that what happened and that standard felt like he had to do this to protect them that everything went wrong um he offers her the money uh she slaps him when he offers her the money but he says you know that's i just thought you could use it to get away and he's looking down at the ground and he sort of opens himself up to where he says, I could come with you. I could look out for you. And that's when the elevator arrives. And there's a man in there and, you know, driver looks up and there's like one tear coming down his face. Um, they get into the elevator and it's the elevator is this weird, you know, like there are a lot of cool colors in this movie. But the elevator is this warm amber Um. So they all get in and it's this sort of glowy thing. And driver looks over at the man who's already in the elevator and sees the gun. And he immediately knows why this guy's here, that he's going to hurt them, that driver's going to have to do something about it, that Irene is going to see this. This brutal side of him that he's going to have to he's going to have to seriously hurt this guy. Because they're in a confined space, and he could shoot them at any time. Um, but that he'll probably wait until they get somewhere where he can make a quick getaway, so they're they're okay for the elevator ride. So when he sees the gun, driver reaches back, pushes Irene behind him, and like in the same motion, turns around, kisses her, and he's she doesn't realize it, but he's kissing her goodbye. And that's what makes it so intense and so poignant. And as he's pulling away, you know, his brows are knitted together in pain, and he hates what he's going to have to do. Um, he knows she's never going to want to come near him again once she sees what he he's going to have to do. And so, the lighting in the elevator changes as they're kissing, and there's light and there's shadow, and it plays. And as he's pulling away from her. Her face is lit so brightly that it's almost glowing and his face is completely in the shadow and they've been, now they've been separated. So he has to knock, the, you know, takes care of the assassin, gets the gun away, knocks him down, stomps on his head 17 times. I counted.
2: He makes, <laughs> he makes it into a paste.
1: Yeah. It's past the point of it actually caving in, which was at 14 also counted. Oh. <laughs> So once they get to the garage level, you know, Irene staggers backward out of the elevator and driver looks at her and this look on his face, he's, he's horribly shaken. He's horrified. Maybe at himself. He's definitely horrified at what Irene has just seen him do and what he, what she must think of him. He believes that he's a monster and that's written all over his face. And then the elevator door closes and it separates them for the last time. And, I just think this is amazing, and it takes place. And this is this is three minutes. This scene is three minutes long, and it's amazing how much gets packed in there.
0: I I didn't get any of that, and now I'm kind of <laughs> blown away. Like, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't get any of that from that scene. And now that that has been still to my mind, I'm way more impressed with this scene, because I can see it. Um, because you're right, he doesn't actually ever see her again after that. The final time they see each other is her, like, baffled and terrified looking at him inside the elevator, and the elevator doors actually close. Like, he's just kind of stuck there with the body. Like, what happened after that? Did he just go back up? Like... <laughs> Or did I he just like wait a little so. while until she left and no, then I, like open the door? Right, cuz
2: his car was there. He's like, "Well, I got to wait like 5 minutes for her to like go up the stairs." <laughs> right.
0: Like it's just going to be awkward if she if I open this up again and I'm like dragging the body out. But no, but seriously, that that rundown of it is probably one of Nicole's shining moments on our <laughs> podcast, I think, because that totally put that in perspective for me. Um and it, it there's um kind of a beauty to like the I think the way this movie ends, which is he doesn't get the girl and he does which just go away.
2: That's that's one thing that uh, the director people were like, "Are you ever going to make a Drive too?" Because dude, why?
1: Uh, <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. Right, but the
0: the director's response. The ending, I want give me another one. The
2: director's response is always like, "No, it it ended too imperfectly." Kind of in that way you're saying of like it didn't wrap up nicely, where it wrapped up in the sense of like she's okay because he killed that guy, but like. He still he knows he probably still has to leave because that guy probably had connections, almost oh, certainly. And yeah. people are, although
1: he killed that guy, he killed Bernie. Killed Cook.
2: He killed Nino he as well. He Also killed
1: Bernie. Driver kills Bernie, and he killed Nino.
2: Which and he says those are the only and really kind of the only people who knew about it were in that room at that point. So yeah, right. I, I guess potentially, but I mean, but still, they're going to be looking for somebody, and you know, he was at that restaurant. And he met. But people can people can still point to Ryan Gosling, right? So yeah. I, I think there's still a threat there. But yeah, at least within the context of what we see and what we don't see, we don't see them get together. And I think that is smart.
0: What is a better ending? Ryan Gosling gets stabbed and dies with Barney, which was not original, or, was
2: what they originally filmed, and which, uh, test and, audiences and, and- did not like. <laughs>
0: Or uh, he drives away into the sunset, which is kind of what he does, minus the sunset. Um, I, I, I was conflicted by this, because the first time I saw this, I was like, oh, he should just die. Um, but then this time, I was like, but then we don't get a solid minute and a half of him staring. And now here's the thing. <laughs> if I had had a, a disc copy of this movie... I would have been like checking the disc to make sure it was still spinning. And since I didn't have a disc copy, I had a digital copy. I was like checking the internet and I was like making sure like the cursor was still going from like second after second (laughs) because he just stares and the camera's moving so slowly.
1: So impatient. Um,
2: (laughs) Well, that's okay. So, so one person uh, who was talking about when they saw this movie, a hundred years ago when it came out, I I know it's seven. Uh, Like, apparently somebody got so fed up with the film that they, when there's just a shot of Ryan Gosling's face, they just yelled in this theater, do something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I get it. There's a, there's a lot of long staring in this movie. I I get people getting,
0: and I, and I was joking about that pre-show. Ryan Gosling eats cereal. Like, this movie made him a meme for me. Where for years after this, I made fun of him for being <laughs> for face, stoic, yeah. yeah, the stoics like 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 guy that had no range, right? And then I saw him do comedy and the nice guys, and I'm like, wow, he is pretty interesting. And now I really enjoy him and things like you know Blade Runner 2049 and all that good which stuff, which is pretty much so, is largely the same character, which is largely just <laughs> stoically staring. But it was really captivating. Yeah, um, and
1: <laughs> now see, I found it captivating the first time, which is probably why I like this movie better than you do.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's um, he's he's an interesting actor to me, and I think uh, because hadn't he done like rom coms and stuff before this? Didn't he kind of he, take the McConaughey I mean, route?
1: He did. No, he... no, he'd been doing indie stuff like Lars and the Real Girl. Well, let us
2: let us uh, not forget Let us not forget the Notebook.
1: The Notebook. Okay, notebook, <laughs> he did right. uh, Crazy Stupid Love this same year. Uh huh. So.
0: Interesting. D- does he have. Is he. um? Does he have range? I'm just going to throw it out there. Like, could <laughs> yes. he do a really dramatic role and, like, cry and scream and stuff and be captivating? Probably.
1: I have not. I haven't seen Half Nelson. I understand he's fantastic in that. Is
2: Half Nelson the, the one believer. where he's a teacher? Uh huh. Because I may may have seen... I forgot that he was uh, young Hercules. Let us never forget. Yes,
1: he was young Hercules. He
2: was young Hercules. Is Half Nelson the one that I think... Yes, I have seen Half Nelson. That movie is rough.
0: Uh, Stay,
1: Blue Valentine.
0: Didn't he also play pretty much the same stoic character in the second season of True Detective? He was not in True Detective. Never mind. (laughs)
2: I someone else was stoic in that taylor kitchen i don't know i didn't see season two
0: vince vaughn no one did no one did uh, okay um yeah so i i mean i I guess what i'm getting at is place like beyond
1: the pines
0: i i'm still wondering if there's like the movie that you see with him where it finally clicks and he's an all-encompassing dramatic actor and i don't know if he's had it yet
1: i mean, i i, uh, may- I think he has
2: He's done, you know, he, there is a reason that he has gotten the work that he has and people like him. Uh, I don't want to disparage Ryan Gosling as an actor, but I think this, he did for a little while there, get that meme of the Ryan Gosling face. Where like his his eyebrows are kind of knit together, and you know Ryan Gosling refuses to eat his cereal. Which you have That's n- if you favorite. if if you have not
1: <laughs> seen that,
2: yeah. If, if listeners, if you <laughs> have not awesome. watched Ryan Gosling refuses to eat his cereal, it's a Vine compilation. Go watch it. It's worth it's worth the like, two minutes of your life.
0: Yes, uh, it is.
2: Yeah. No, I yeah, I I don't want to disparage Ryan Gosling. I think that he does a very good job, and people like him and. Except for that time where he mansplains jazz to Emma Stone,
1: uh, White splains jazz to Emma Stone.
2: As yeah, well. it was a lot of things. Oh, There's a lot of
1: things I have problems with about that movie. Yeah. Um, uh, so let's let's kick around a
0: little bit to a couple other quick discussion topics as we begin the wrap down. We're closing in on time here. Uh, the role the music plays in the film. You could argue that it's the same type of electronic, dis- like electronic atmospheric music that. Is in Blade Runner 2049 when he's going. No, I, I would not is. say that. <laughs> like the soft synthesizers playing in the background?
1: Yeah, the, No, this music isn't... I, I don't think it's nearly as ambient as Blade Runner 2049. I mean, that's, that's almost just sound that's been shaped into music rather than music that sounds that's fair.
0: like that is fair but but I, what i mean, mean is the the music the musicality of using a lot of really sparse long drawn-out synthesizers is similar
1: uh yeah i i suppose but i mean this is um you know in addition to the songs which i quite like which are like euro indie pop uh electronic synth heavy things that that sound a lot kind of 80s um is also there's a score by cliff martinez and i love cliff martinez um he's done he's done a lot of stuff but my favorites are this score and um uh, the steven soderberg remake of solaris um and he actually did the, the score for Only God Forgives, which, like I said, is a pretentious and strange and visually beautiful, but what the hell is going on movie. Uh, but the sound, the score to that is amazing. It is absolutely amazing and almost worth seeing the movie for, even if you don't actually like the movie. Um, but I mean, I, I love his work and what he does, him and he and uh, Clint Mansell. I think are my two favorite contemporary film composers.
0: I think it's a great score. I love it. It, it redeems the, some of the parts of the movie I'm not as fond of. Is the phenomenal score in this movie? I absolutely adore it.
2: Uh, for me, look, Night Call is so perfectly used in this movie. I'm willing to forgive <laughs> any <laughs> any shortcomings of the soundtrack. Beyond that,
0: there right you go. Right on. Uh, and then the last. Let's let's do two more. Brief discussion topics. Uh, one I threw in was at an actually No, you know, pause that. I'm actually going to go to a different one and I'm going to end with the other one. <laughs> the director wanted this to be a fairy tale with LA as the background. Is it a fairy tale? This is a question from David. It's,
1: it's, well, it's, so, a, it's so a flawed it, fairy tale, right? Grimm's fairy tale.
2: Yeah, because he wanted it to be this, this idea of like good versus evil and the good guy has to do brutal things to the bad guys to protect the princess. <laughs> I have an issue in the way that like that makes Carrie Mulligan the, the princess prize? In, yeah, the prize, <laughs> the prize the princess in distress. Uh yeah, I don't know about this being a fairy tale personally.
0: I think some of the elements might be there. I don't know if I would consider it a contemporary yeah,
1: fairy tale. I I would yeah. not consider it a fairy tale. I'd consider it more like a contemporary Almost like a western, or sort of a. a more I think modern, a western. It's a, really a neo
2: neo noir. This film is often described as neo noir.
1: Yeah, oh, interesting. Yeah. Although
2: totally it's not as
1: comp, the plot's mm-hmm. not as complicated as a lot of noir movies, and the are. the
2: dialogue is not typical of a noir film either.
1: No, right. definitely not. It's much more sparing.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh.
0: Absolutely, and then our last question we're going to talk about, and I put this in our docket at the end of our fences discussion last round, where I brought fences to the table. As a future classic, something that you guys brought up was that it might be a classic in the sense of it's a film for actors, right? Like it might not be like an all encompassing cinematic masterpiece classic. But if you're in acting school, and you want to, you know, study incredible performances, fences is a really interesting foray into that. I thought that this might be similar in the sense of that, but for cinematographers, because Like And maybe writing to a degree just for sparsity's sake, because I think, again, I think it's very interesting the way this movie was written, almost to a detrimental degree at times. But certainly in regard to the cinematography, stunning throughout, right? It's absolutely gorgeous.
1: Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. there's some really inventive stuff going on here. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's, there's a great shot where they're... Number one, I think it's a great visual gag that when you first see driver in his day job, he's wearing a cop uniform. So for <laughs> half a second, you think he's a police officer for his day job and a getaway driver at night. Um, but he's, you know, he's on a movie shoot. And as the camera's moving toward him at the makeup table, it goes past the star who is bald and you know built and looking in the mirror and so you see the star's face for a second and then you come around to the other side of the table where driver is putting on the rubber mask to make him look like the star which i love that the mask, has, the nipples.
2: The mask hmm? has nipples the mask has <laughs> nipples because it goes sound <laughs> like yeah. sort of a child <laughs>
1: I suppose they make a a good visual marker for figuring out where how to adjust the mask so that it's aligned right, right, correctly. Yeah. But that's that's more than I needed to know. Um, so, but I mean, there's that you know, there's the scene where there's uh, the party is going on to welcome Standard back, and Irene's out in the hallway, and Driver comes out of his apartment and is like leaning on his wall. And so Irene's leaning on his on the wall, driver's like twenty feet down the hall, leaning on the wall. And the way it's shot, you know, she's leaning against the right side of the frame and he's leaning against the left side of the frame. So as it goes to sh- shot the only thing that's dividing them is the thin line of the frame. Mm. So I mean there's some fantastic work going on here. And the whole first the whole the whole getaway drive at the beginning of the movie is shot from inside the car they don't Mm -hmm. go outside the car so it's kind of amazing
2: yeah it's it's a really that the opening sequence whatever shortcomings they have with this film it is not for the first 10 minutes
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's it's beautifully shot and the reason i put this in the docket is because that's ultimately where i landed with this film uh do i think it is a future cinematic classic in the sense of uh excellent across the board like it hits a on every you know mark of the check sheet for me i don't think so i i think that the story is too simplified at times to the point where it causes things to be overly vague and i wish there were there's more to it and then there's times when i can appreciate the brevity and i can understand the artistic difficulty of making it like that um but at the end of the day the one thing in this movie that i can't laud enough is the cinematography. And I think that if you are a cinematographer and you want to be one, this is, or if you want to be one, this is a movie you have to see. And I think it's something that, that cinematography students should watch and might watch in schools 20, 30 years from now. I think it's interesting enough and well shot enough to be studied in that capacity. And for me, I think that's, if it was to fall into a classic category, I could, for myself, make an argument that that's where it would fall. Um, and I think that is kind of the niche I'm going to have to put it into in regard to my analysis of whether or not I think it's a classic, David. <sighs> it's a classic, right? You're okay. watching every week, like Nicole said. So this this
2: is probably to further uh, I don't want to say anger, uh, Nicole, but maybe to make a, a th- to dig that thorn in her pod a little bit more. <laughs> How I think this movie is going to be a classic is in the way that Fight Club is a classic in the way that uh, college students in dorm rooms will pass this film around. Oh, don't
1: make it a douche movie. (laughs) I'm not,
2: look, no, this is a, it is, it is an introduction into art house cinema. I think for some college students with its glaring violence, I think this is a movie that can serve as a gateway of like into further art house films. Uh, but I, but let's be honest, this is a movie that college students are going to put posters of on their walls forever because it's Ryan Gosling with that big pink drive at the bottom. Uh, they're going to, they're going to do the costume forever because it's super simple. It's a guy in a jacket with a scorpion on it. I'm Ryan Gosling from drive. (laughs) Like, I think that's kind of going to be its legacy. I'm sorry to say,
0: (laughs) I like this. Is the most divided panel we've had on future classic, and I think that's amazing because we have to get to this point at some point. Ow!
1: Sorry, excuse <laughs> me. my cat.
0: Just you have a cat on right my now, head for that's some happening reason. Happening to me a lot lately.
1: But uh, <laughs> um, no. Round it out,
0: Nicole. Why is I, it a future classic in your eyes?
1: Uh, well, I wanted to ask. You know, you were saying. You know, does it check off all the a? tick boxes you know a grade for everything does it have to to be a classic i mean if you oh. think back to previ- to movies that you believe to be classics now do all of them check all the boxes are they all you know fantastically uh, you know, directed a, and such acted a good point and written because
0: I'll be the first to tell you how shitty the writing is in Star Wars. Yet it is a classic,
2: and yet it You're was right. it was nominated. I think won the Academy Award for best original screenplay.
1: The set, no,
2: it was I nominated. Think that was Rocky that year was it? Let I me. Mean, I, I I don't remember if it was if that was the same year as Rocky or but
1: not. Star Wars uh, definitely did not win for screenplay.
0: No, no, but it won for special effects that year, though. But um, that's such a good point because you might very well be right in that fact. And maybe this is just not a classic for the kind of movie goer I am then. Maybe that's what it is. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think you have to check every box. I mean, I think you have, uh, that's a really interesting discussion. I feel like we should have a separate show. <laughs> yeah. That's the I, theory of a future class. Well,
2: and I think, I think we've kind of kind of hit this before on some of the future classics, you know, uh, inception, we all kind of said was like, yeah, it's going to be that movie that everybody's going to watch. They're going to show their kids because they're going to be excited by it. Uh, but we've talked about, I, I, you know, the only other one that I can think of is another Nicole movie, which is The Great Beauty, which we kind of, we, we all watched it, and then we walked away being like, yeah, I can see this being for some people a real classic movie, but it's not going to be for everyone, and I'm and i and I'm comfortable saying that for this movie as well. Um which kind of like, then it cheapens of like, why, why do we talk about if we're going to be like, it's going to be a classic for everyone. But I think there are some movies that are just going to be forgotten for all time. See blockers now in cinemas. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: but I, No I, movie I, is, for, is for everyone. You know, there right. are people out there in the world who don't like Casablanca. I don't understand those people, <laughs> but they are out there. You
2: know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's a discussion we could have for an hour on another podcast of what makes a movie classic. Right. Uh, it's just, I think we kind of got to, uh, on this one, we just got to d- agree to disagree on the kind of classic it's going to be.
0: Yeah. And I also think yeah. maybe the key is that the word masterclass got thrown around here at some point, right? And whether it was cinematography or the brevity of the writing. And maybe that's what it is, is that there's an element of something so good in it <laughs> that, whatever, if that type of thing appeals to you. Like, if you love writing or love cinematography or love, you know, dramatic acting or... Or if you
2: love actually.
0: Comedy. Right. Uh, <laughs> like, like maybe there's an element that is better than everything else like that, of the movie. And maybe that's going to make it a classic. And I could see an argument for Drive in that sense. I, I could. Um, in terms of cinematography for me, anyway. Um, but, Nicole, uh, would you like any final words on Drive?
1: <laughs> no, I just... it's. Drive is my kind of classic. Um, I've got a weakness for beautiful and beautifully shot films. I've got a weakness for writing that's not overdone. Um, I've got a weakness for acting that is subtle and, you know, not always over the top. Um, I love seeing Albert Brooks as a villain. This was his first time he was a villain and he managed to make this sort of slightly genial, you know, middle-aged, eyebrowless dude uh menacing without being t- physically intimidating.
2: He's just a clownfish looking for his son. <laughs>
1: That's right. Just a, just an anxiety-ridden clownfish. Um yeah, who yeah, happens to carry a straight razor. Oof. So, <laughs> that's, but, uh, you know, I, I happen to believe that this is not just style over substance. I believe it has style and substance. I enjoy it a lot. I think that there's going to be, there are going to be some people who will regard this as a classic going forward. And I can understand the people who don't, um, but I'm one of those believers.
0: Right on. Very good. Well, if you like movies that uh, have all of those things that you checked off the box, come back next week for the movie that has none of them. Uh, <laughs> it is highly overacted. It is uh, very poorly shot, and um, it is—it's ridiculous. But it's also a classic, apparently. And I'm—it's a lot of reasonably... fun. It's a fun movie. I picked it yeah. because it's fun. I picked it because it's like—it's a weird curveball for around the world and also actually nicole you're the reason i picked it Uh because you sent me (laughs) this week the (laughs) curse you nicole four films or whatever and i was thinking about like the Uh, movies that really shaped yeah like the movies i shaped what i love and who i am and my mind just like immediately went to like i love hard day's night that is like what i grew up with i love that movie it's so much fun so that's actually the reason it's our pick next week Um, but that's what we're going to be watching, and it's easily rentable if you'd like to follow along with the show. Uh, David Luzader, where can people find you online?
2: You can, of course, find me on the internet uh, under the username Davluz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. Find me there, and you can find me also on the Heck Yeah Comics podcast, com, and you can find me on the Brokebot Mountain uh, podcast. By the time that this episode comes out, we are deep into the new season of Westworld, and I am hopefully loving it.
0: Right on. And Nicole,
1: you can find me shepherding the Facebook pages for both our previous and our current shows. Uh, we used to do geek cinema society and that's facebook.com slash geek cinema society. And currently we are listening to movie go round. And so our page is movie go round podcast on Facebook. um, Please feel free to post any questions or topics or what have you there. I will be w- on it uh, within a day, so I will do my best to answer any questions you might have or take any suggestions you might have. Uh, in a couple weeks, we'll be actually in a week we'll be posting a request for a "You Did This to Us" uh, pick, where the audience gets to choose. So we'll be putting up a poll on that Facebook page. So be ready, guys. We need your help.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, and last time want, there, was like, there was like 40 of some forty or some of you voted last time and made our lives miserable. So <laughs> I swear to God if Neon Demon show, I can't show well, up. Well, you didn't make I, why
1: would... miserable. He likes gremlins, too. So. We're, we're I, recorded yep.
0: far enough in advance right now where I can't get Neon Demon, Neon Demon at least this round. Yes, um, oh, no. but also Nicole's meme game is really top top notch over on the Facebook. She just put up a Voldemort meme, so uh, <laughs> check it out. That'll do it for myself, David. And Nicole, you can find me on BrettDavidStewart on Twitter at RiversRuben. We'll see you next week with a hard day's night.